0: Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About The Weather. Political discussion from the outside may look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. Hello. And we're here to talk news and politics.
1: Yeah. Day late. Yeah. Even though we were supposed to be back on normal, but not my fault. My cat decided to kill herself.
0: Oh.
2: Um,
1: well, she didn't kill herself. Um, my wife did that. Uh, well, the vet <laughs> did that. She was old.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, but, yeah, she's um, she was very old
1: cat. Yeah. She was my daughter's first pet that she named... Yeah, I think when was, she was, she could barely talk. Oh, um, how
0: did she? How did she get named?
1: they then say "meow" and "nice," and it became "meows." Oh, that's mouse, so adorable! That's why the cat was mouse, and she was really lovely and really annoying.
0: Yeah, she I was mean, the only basically, one I a know third... who
1: could turn a laptop onto airplane mode on, like Holly's laptop. She would always turn it onto airplane mode, just running across it constantly. <laughs> Um but yeah she you know and you've heard her on the pod.
0: Basically shouting. third third comrade. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, always
1: shouting. And it's weird thinking like since started the pod, Dora the dog died. Yeah. Then Charney, yeah. the mouse, like all of Lily's childhood pets.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's a... it's a
1: bit grim. Aww. So we had that. And then we also had um my trip into the Heart of Darkness on the weekend. Oh yeah. Of um the parents open day. At Oxford for my child. Because my child, I don't know if I've said it on the part of Way, that she's going to Oxford. Or am I that, or am I that guy? Yeah, <laughs> you're that guy. My child's going to Oxford. <laughs> I have done that a couple of times with dog walkers, the really annoying middle class ones, when they talk about how well their kids are doing and they really look down on me because I look like a scruffy piece of shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, she just got she sheet Fine, no big deal.
0: So you're <laughs> the one who advocates the burning of private schools, but sending your child to Oxford to make it
1: easier for my, for children <laughs> like mine to get in.
0: Um,
1: but yeah, um, it was weird. There's a lot of money in, th- in that place. I don't think you realised. <laughs> Did you know that entrenched privilege
0: has. It don't some- come cheap, is what I'm saying.
1: There's some benefits to it if you're on the inside. <laughs> um but yeah, so that that's so did that, which is good. So yeah, getting closer to the day.
0: Yeah, how long is it now? I don't know, I had it worked out,
1: but um well a
0: couple of, in the next couple of weeks, isn't it?
1: Uh week Sunday. Oh. Moving around. So yeah. Yeah, so that's what I've been doing this week, and Monster Hunter and honking. I'm a goose.
0: Oh, the untitled Goose game. Yeah, yes. Set honk. Twitter a light.
1: Honk honk. It's very good. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. Nice. What about you? Nothing. Um... Oh yeah, also I went down to Labour Conference to cheer on my man Tom Watson for fighting off a coup. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did that. Oh no, of course, because they didn't pay me. Not <laughs> might imply that you need to be paid to hang around with Tom Watson. But you're not paid money, you're sort of paid in the understanding that you're going to be parachuted into a nice job as a counsellor or an easy like safe seat as an mp like you know for your francis yeatmans or your fucking west streetings
0: well listen you don't you you might not know this because you're not on destiny but uh he has promised to guide me through the raid (laughs) if i come down to brighton and shout shout him on (laughs) he'll help you yeah he'll help me get past all the things there's no way he's good at computer games he was, pl- I saw the, the fucking he was a World of Warcraft player, wasn't he? he was, uh,
1: uh, I saw he was saying that he was playing... The gamer MP. He was playing Smash. The most oppressed class. He was playing Smash when he found out. Um, I thought um, he
0: was in a restaurant, wasn't he? Or well, he was he in a restaurant playing Smash?
1: I, mean, I saw that he was playing Smash with his, with his son. Um,
0: oh, and, Smash Brothers, right, yeah, yeah. sorry.
1: <laughs> but um, yes, yeah, so he was playing Smash Brothers with his son. And for people who aren't in the know, because the fighting game community can be quite an insular, hard-to-understand thing... Smash Brothers players are the lowest rung. <laughs> now, I say this as someone who has played them and found them baffling and horrible. Like, the top-tier fighting games, like the, the gentlemen's fighting games, you've got, like, your Tekken, your Unist, yeah. um Guilty Gear, you know. If you
0: like, these are the Oxbridge of <laughs> fighting games, is and what then, you're saying, and you only play those, so...
1: But then Send Smash you- players... All I'm saying is that it wasn't Smash it wasn't like Unis players who were told they needed to wash more. It was literally the Smash I feel players like, that tournament. I feel
0: like those games you mentioned earlier, they, they, I mean those tawnies I I've I've never known to they're one. Fine.
1: But, they're, uh, they're gentle they gentlemen and ladies.
0: Gentlemen gamers. Gentlemen
1: gamers and ladies. Gentle lady gamers. Yeah. Rather than the horrible troll beasts that play Smash <laughs> they 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 they're bad games. They're bad games for nonces. Um, that don't have good hitboxes. That's all I'm going to say. And it doesn't surprise me that I would play that game (laughs) and probably lose to his child.
0: Speaking of people with uh, hitboxes that are way too large, uh, Tom Watson. Yeah. um, (laughs) There was some kerfuffle with him... There was a motion before the Labour conference at the weekend uh, that John Lansman brought to remove him from. John Lansman
1: didn't bring it the NEC. Brought uh, it.
0: The NEC brought it because yes. that's been a
1: fun thing that people have been doing. Like, yeah, it's nice. The implication that there's a shadowy rich Jew controlling the NEC. <laughs> yes. It's a good fit. It's a good thing. It's a safe and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, it's a, it's a fine thing to do.
0: This was to abolish the position of deputy leader of the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. And he's really the most kind of nakedly, like... Oh, I don't want to say factional because I sound like them. But it was a way of getting Tom Watson out of the deputy leadership and uh, stop him wrecking, stop him... Well, he him refuses
1: to have a vote on, like... continuing. He refuses count- to have another election yeah. on deputy leader because well, he Well, I
0: mean, there's no... Um, that was the interesting thing of, like, after this attempt was made... Yeah he came out and said, well, if the members want to get rid of me, then they can. And it's yeah. like, there's no mechanism for that. Deputy yeah. leader is a ceremonial position. Yeah, and it would
1: it would be up to him. Yeah. So, no. Um, but they did get rid of Labour students, so, you know.
0: Yeah, that's, a, their, that's interesting. The um, thing that
1: managed to put off my daughter from politics.
0: Very oh, quickly. yeah, she had first-hand experience of the... Oh. Was it National Organisation of Labour Students? Labour Students for sure. Yeah, they were rights. just horrible. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you know... There was a weird roller coaster of emotions around the Tom Watson thing. At first, it was like, ah, yes, finally, he's of literally, he's of negative use. He's not mm-hmm. even of no use, he's of mm-hmm. negative use. He's taken every opportunity to completely undermine everything that anybody in Labour tries to do yep. that moves things on. He's taken the most Brexit, like, remaining positions, not because I feel like he's that. Uh, even dedicated to becoming the leader of remain because if he wanted to do that, he probably could, and yeah. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. He just does it to keep the conversation embedded and 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 mud like uh, stuck in this uh position where Oh, Labour's Brexit position is confusing, mm. and uh, at a hard Brexit, and uh, Lib Dems ultra and We need to come together, and yet we yeah. need to do that by splitting apart. And it, it just nonsense, just nonsense, uh, just a nonsense merchant. Um, and then there was that rollercoaster of emotions, where it's like I think it was Corbyn intervened to take the vote yeah. to make to, to basically make say the vote's not going to happen.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but the interesting thing. I was thinking, like, like, it got very kind of demoralising, like, the, the maybe the 12 hours, maybe 24 hours afterwards. It was really afterwards. Insane, like it was like, how God, the fuck do inc- we get rid of anybody? I was
1: excited because I hate him, and it would have been good for him to just be gone. Hmm. Not like he'd be... That's the way they were talking about it. Like he's, he'd still be an MP. Yeah. He'd still have all of that shit. It's just he wouldn't have the position... Wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to say deputy leader as if it means something. Yeah. Um... So I was looking forward to that. And then to have Corbin swoop in to save him. And it's like, why are you doing this? I'm sure he's like, he's not whenever you give them anything, it doesn't make them like you more, Corbin. Surely you've noticed this. Yeah. And what did he do immediately? Like they staged a, a photo op out at um, Brighton Station. He um when he when he turned up, so it looked like everybody loved him. And it was like, that's obviously fake. Um there was him complaining, saying like, oh, I can't even get down. I offered to, um, they wouldn't let me phone in because I couldn't get down to Brighton because I'm looking after my kid. And it's like, yeah, I understand childcare, but you know what? Labour Party conference, when you're deputy leader, you had a bit of warning.
0: It like, is on every year. Yeah. I don't know if yeah, he knows this. And also,
1: not to, be, not to be a bit, like, his kid's old enough to be left alone. <laughs> Um, he, or he
0: could have brought him. It just, it, it ended up bringing up a load of, it, just it ended up bringing up a lot, I think a load of the frustrations that people have had around democratising the party and actually being able to get, collective control over the the makeup of the parliamentary labor mm. party he's the figurehead of the parliamentary labor party mm. in terms of if you were going to fact like factionalize it he's the most prominent like labor rightist and maybe i think a lot of people voted for him thinking that he maybe wouldn't be that because he was a he was a reasonably solid brown brownite back in the day he was a snake though, and though, but... but you know yeah and he you know he Kind of distinguished himself by going after Murdoch quite hard, but then it turned out he was going after Murdoch specifically because he was taking funds from uh, Max Mosley.
1: Yeah, um, it was interesting to see that him not say a fucking word when I forgot his name Gareth Edwards, the Welsh rugby player. Yes. was um crying on the TV talking about the journalist blackmailing him and telling his parents that he had HIV before he had the chance to. And
0: yeah, seen none of that. None of, of that from Tom him. Watson, and what that was his. Said. That was his, like you know, that they carved their own specialist yeah. areas out. That was his area mm. of pro- trying to protect people from like the the tabloid press. Mm. But no, um, and it just it ends up like you know you can't get rid of any MPs. No. You can't even when it comes down to selecting them, they fucking bitch and moan and, and complain about having to put in whether they're going to stand next time they make a big thing out of it and then I think like obviously it ends up like spilling over into like British society at large like you end up thinking of like yeah people knew that Jimmy Savile this is not any comparison with Tom Watson I just want (laughs) to make that clear but you end up thinking of like, yeah, Jimmy Savile fucking everyone knew what he was doing for 40 years. And it took until like two years after his death for information even to come out about it. And it's like, yeah, we couldn't get that done. Like the wor- one of the worst crimes you can imagine someone committing. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't get rid of him for 40 years because he had powerful friends and, institutional, and an institutional profile. Yeah, of course you can't get rid of this like largely symbolic, bumbling fuck up. Yeah. You know, and it was just kind of depressing. But then, of course, uh, I think we'll get into this later when we do Labour conference. But feel like it was actually interesting that they had no response here. To Apparently, Tom Watson personally was furious when he found out this thing was uh, when he was going to be uh, his position was going to be abolished, and there was a load of bitching and a load of complaining on Twitter. Um, but what was remarkable was the generally muted response or at least the same response mm. it was we should be fighting the tories not doing infighting say infighter in chief yeah but it didn't go beyond that they didn't have any kind of it didn't appear anyway as if mp's like let like the labor right had any in to the nec to that decision making process in order to block it mm-hmm. so it was kind of a i think i think it was kind of um it was kind of telling for what would happen later. Um, yeah, like the, it, the, we were definitely feeling for a while that the, the takeaway from this was this endless avoidance of short-term pain yeah. that associated with doing anything radical about reforming reforming the left, like the Labour Party. I was
1: on a real downer after that. I thought the Labour conference was going to be really fucking appalling. Um, and like we were going to go to the what's it TWT
0: TWT Yeah,
1: and um, we were going to go to that this year, but I couldn't because I had to, you know, go and hobnob with the elites, um, mm. as I want to do. Um, but I was like, I don't want to go to one ever. <laughs> it's like, I was in that, you know, like, you go back and forth on the Labour party, um, you know, they say things like, I love cops. And it's like, oh, for fuck's sake, not again. Yeah. Um, or it's like, oh, I'm going to talk to women's place, but then never mention it again. <laughs> and it's like, for fuck's sake.
0: Um, the slow drip-drip of demoralisation, yeah. especially in that long period yeah. where... This could have been the period where um, I I don't think at all the demoralisation within the Labour Party at times has been a to do with Brexit. It's been to do with ultimately frustration at not being able to get your hands on anything, yeah. anything concrete, and not feel like a part of it.
1: Yeah. So, like, I was of the opinion, like, after the thing happened with Tom Watson, that it's like, that's it. I'm not going to. TWT at the next one like that happens I just no fuck it I, like, I, had, Party I had kind
0: of the opposite because I've, I've been flirting with joining joining properly um, or at all Indeed,
1: yeah, because you're a cop <laughs>
0: um, yeah I was gonna uh, I mean I, my handler told me I have to join the Labour Party yeah. um, it's really difficult because I really don't want to but mm.
1: uh, I mean he insists so. he insists and you can't grow the hair long enough to join um, <laughs> some kind of environmentalist group to yeah. knock up someone
0: for the matter <laughs> Um, but yeah it, it definitely felt like I actually it, I actually had the opposite impulse of like I really I want to join just in order to have as much feeling that I did something to get these constant stultifying blockages out of the fucking way they they add nothing to the conversation mm-hmm. and then the conference happened over the weekend and it turns out yeah they can't do anything no that's an interesting thing um right before the election uh, right before the election right before the conference um the media line was chaos over brexit and oh my god everybody's and, at each other's and everybody throats everybody hates corbyn now and everybody hates corbyn in, in fighting and Watson. we all hate this and it's just standard stuff it, it's water off a ducks back now mm. like I, there's it's exactly the same story every single time I, I don't i don't trust any of them to get the mood of the Labour Party more than I do the people who I know, mm-hmm. like, know on Twitter, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Follow on Twitter and talk to and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you had one MP who I think it was um, just after the Brexit vote and before a lot of the policies uh, came out. Somebody, uh, a an MP supposedly sent a text message to Philip Schofield. Philip Schofield? Kevin. Kevin Schofield, the one who's um, he sent it to Phillips Schofield as has- well, but <laughs> Phillips Schofield said, "I have no idea what to do with this. I'm a breakfast. Is he a breakfast TV presenter?
1: I, I think so. Um, <laughs> Kevin Schofield is the one that has the best Twitter picture for any journalist ever because you can tell how much of a journalist he is because he's furiously typing mm-hmm. and he's got a cigar. <laughs> Holy shit! He's so typing. Probably
0: have made this joke before, but does he have the hat with the little press card in it? No, he does not. Damn it! No, he's. It's nice. not a real journalist. No, that's a good point. I should tell him that. <laughs> Um, th- this text message was: We look like a chaotic, scruffy, angry, deluded, and dangerous rabble. We hate success, hard work, intelligence, and wealth. We like mediocrity, laziness, and resp- irresponsibility. We aren't sure what we think about the biggest crisis facing the country since the war. We are chanting cult-like the name of a leader who has a public approval rating of minus sixty-five. Why would anyone vote Labour? We deserve everything coming to us. Love Tom. I made that, last <laughs> bit up. Um, that almost
1: sounds like the tagline for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, hate, I just I hate money, we're scruffy, we're lazy. You know what people... Love mediocrity. you know what, love mediocrity.
0: You know what people really hate? The mediocre. <laughs> I, a socialist, or even frankly a liberal, I hate mediocrity. And the public hates scruffiness and chaos. That's why Boris Johnson is in the position he's in. I, it's so beautiful. It's like, as a proper... That man typed that all with one finger because he hasn't worked out how to work his BlackBerry. Yeah,
2: that well, he, they was black given. Anymore,
0: do they? he was given He was taught by his grand grandchild. <laughs> uh, it's such an old. That's a proper like Fra- Frank Fields. I can imagine doing yeah. that. He's he's uh, he's old enough. But yeah, it's a very. Mediocre.
1: I know. It just, it feels mediocre. Like always, always it's very Labour right. Laziness. Yeah, I love laziness.
0: Imagine fucking after ten years of austerity. Yeah. Looking at
1: actually that reeks of Frankfield. Any about fucking
0: any fucking worker at all, mm. and going lazy, mm-hmm. mediocre, ir- irresponsible. Especially when you're an MP. That's like that's like not even like disgusting for a Labour MP. That's just pretty disgusting for a human being.
1: Yeah. It's yeah, gross. Was, um, I did see Ian Austin hanging around outside. Did oh, yeah, see? maybe yeah. It was that great pic. There was um, because before Ian Austin did his terrible um, like his, I don't even know what it is, like a group. Oh, um, it's like a, a group,
0: a group or think tank called Mainstream. You definitely are part of the mainstream if you have to put it in your name. <laughs> but, um, I'm the- founding a new party. It's called Mainstream <laughs> Labour. <laughs> there was some um, pictures of the him. most popular Labour. There were pictures of him hanging around
1: outside the conference, trying to hide while he was waiting for the van to turn up, and it's just like, oh, Austin,
0: What was he doing?
1: What was he? Well, that was the mainstream thing. He hadn't turned up outside conference. With oh, it was big, like a fringe it was on, it was on a big, No, no, just turned up outside to like try and get attention. Well, it shows how badly it went because you oh, didn't see it. Oh man, I didn't. Um, I saw the had, picture, it. he but didn't... had a lorry with um, "mainstream" written on the side of it, and he was giving speeches about the extremism in the Labour Party, citing this this poll of Labour Party <laughs> members that was in the Sun. <laughs> Which said things like, the Labour Party members don't want the Queen. (laughs) Labour Party members think that, you know, imperialism has something to do with terrorism. (laughs) Labour Party members think that the British had something to do with the Troubles. No! You know, things like that. It's like, this is disgusting. This should not be allowed. Um, But he turned up before the lorry turned up. So there was a lovely picture of him just sort of hiding. like You know, like, um, when me and you smoke Rollies and we'd be waiting for usually a Weatherspoons to open up. Mm. And so we'd find somewhere, usually in like whatever shitty Midlands town you were living in, <laughs> and we'd find somewhere just out of the wind enough yeah. to sort of curl a bit and smoke.
0: Any tiny bit of shade.
1: Yeah. Um, he looked like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Amazing. Amazing who will turn up to these labour events. <laughs> um, so then the kind of uh, conference kicked off in earnest mm-hmm. um, the the Brexit vote happened and was a load of policies came out and suddenly you started feeling like a bit, I mean like natural caution obviously is always in your brain, a, a level Definitely. of caution and cynicism is in your brain about uh, the Labour Party's ability to deliver, any political party's ability to deliver on its manifesto but also the commitment of the majority of the Labour Party as an institution It's its PLP to making these things happen. But if we're just going by what they said, it's, it's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Um, I'll just, I'll run down a, a few things. Um, so there was a a Green New Deal uh, was a, quite a major element of industrial strategy. For mm-hmm. a start, they actually decided to have an industrial strategy, mm-hmm. which was what all governments had uh, mm-hmm. in the kind of post-war period. And I think it was Thatcher who just scrapped it Entirely. I I might be wrong. It might be John Major or Thatcher. Just scrapped having an industrial strategy because it should be organised by the market.
1: Just leave the governor on that.
0: that (laughs) Um, Net zero carbon emissions by 2030, which is uh, very good. Pledging to nationalise the big six energy companies um, and guaranteeing unionised green jobs. Free or affordable green public transport. Support for climate refugees, also contained within the strategy. Um, A people's power plan... uh, supplying electricity to 57 million households through boosting the number of offshore wind farms which would be just over 50% publicly owned uh, profits from those are proposed to be used for developing fronts, leisure centres and parks um, uh, other profit from, this, from these energy companies would be invested into renewable energy um, increasing the number of charging points for vehicles um, a, an expansion of electric car usage and, and like electric car rentals uh, interest-free loans to help people purchase electric cars, thirty thousand vehicles to share within publicly owned uh, community car club networks, um, and there was also uh, stuff floated about uh, sharing technology with uh, developing countries mm-hmm. who are likely to bear the brunt of climate change a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, uh, yeah, it was really, really interesting. And like, I think the the Zero net carbon emissions by 2030 is... I mean, at the minute, the government's committed to 2050 and has absolutely... I'm sorry. Like, carbon emissions have reduced quite a bit in the last, I think, 10 years or so. Because
1: people have gone for cars.
0: Because they've basically stopped burning coal. Hmm. And they've uh, put it into uh, other, like, gas-fired power stations and things like that. But the Tories have no intention
2: of, of
0: adhering to this 2050. And even that, 2050 is... Serious damage being done to the entire world.
2: The thing is,
1: when the Tories set a date for something that they're doing, if even when they say within four years, they don't mean it. Like when they would sit with a deficit, the deficit will come down in the next four years. They have no intention of it ever coming down in four years. So when a Tory says by 2050, that means fuck all. That's (laughs) nothing. That's so like, that doesn't even occur to a Tory as a lie. Well, I mean, so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't register. It
0: absolutely, kept, it absolutely kept their stance of nothing that we do will affect us at all. Mm-hmm. What it will do is shore up our short-term support among financial capital mm. and what remains of uh, industrial capital and small small businesses. Yeah, like we don't plan on dealing with this at all, mm-hmm. and it's you know it's not something that government that those kinds of governments are. Are able to deal with, like mm-hmm. it's going to require a lot more state intervention. It's going to require a lot more actually doing things, mm-hmm. um, and a plan. It's a building a new world. Yeah, it literally is building a new world. Which yeah. uh, this is, you know, it's really promising. It's
1: yeah,
0: really promising. Um, under health and social care, uh, they're planning to scrap prescription charges yep. in England, which is cool. Uh, free personal care for the elderly. Now, hang on
1: a minute. Hold on. Free prescriptions. Uh huh. But what about rich people? So, you're just giving them medication for nothing. Now, look, I just, look, I want to help the poor as much as anyone else. But all I'm saying is that rich people should pay for their own medication. So, we should have a series of means testing. Hold on. Oh my God, that's a Lib Dem policy. <laughs> Actually, that was a Lib Dem parliamentary candidate saying that. Today.
0: Look, it's not as if the rich, if they pay for their own prescription charges on a means tested basis, can naturally afford better drugs. There's no such thing as better drugs or more drugs. There's only the uh, immediate, absolute range of drugs. That's it. Um, what was more interesting was... Now, I had this written down in my notes, but uh, I now can't find it. So let me just see if I can remember it off the top of my head. He's going to... Corbin is going to National... N- let me just fucking look at it was out. it a state owned the state owned medicine maker yes
1: who was going to um have make generic drugs of all the the expensive drugs that drugs companies make and it was going to be nationalized it yeah, was well nationally done. that yeah. was
0: what that was what it was yeah um. it's because i pay attention to things
1: shut the fuck have, up i don't have a brain like swiss cheese <laughs> because of all the Destiny I play. Actually, it's
0: probably because <laughs> your
1: brain is full of Destiny. I've like. been off Destiny
0: now. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Corbin is going to take on Big Tower. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the thing. Um, the, um, um, yeah, generic, um, generic it, it, uh, versions yeah, basically. of the expensive drugs that um, companies don't want to sell you. Yeah. And it's a really easy one because what's a drug company going to do?
0: Yeah.
1: If you just take it off them?
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, make it available at cost, and yeah, that's that's fucking cool. It's not just, like, the making the prescriptions free is kind of... That's cool, but it's a market... It's It's a market... It, it's not just that it's expensive, it's using the logic mm. that has gone on before. It's using yeah. market-based logic, and it's not... It's using market-based logic and still accepting the fact that a price must be paid... Mm for drugs mm. that people need yeah. to live a proper life and that's not true which sure. which is the thing that should be being undermined yeah. and by yeah there's by... a
1: thing that i hope they do with it because I, I didn't i haven't looked massively into it because i've been distracted but um there's a couple of drugs that it's not in the, it's not in the company's best interest to bother making them. Yeah, it's like there's drugs that only there's that only affect a couple of illnesses. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why they're so expensive. Which is why it will be good for this kind of thing to make them. Yeah, because it's it is it's worth it because it, any make helping anyone is worth it. But like um one of the good examples is, um turfs have bitched about trans women essentially taking all the hormones. <laughs> And the reason why that there is a there is a limited amount. We of cannot
2: hormones. allow a hormone gap. <laughs>
1: the reason there is a limited amount of hormones is mm. because they're really easy to make and they're really cheap to make, and no yeah. one bothers making them. Sure, that's why there's a shortage of them. Whereas if you have um, if you take away the profit motive for making them, mm. we can have enough easily for people who are going through the menopause or for any reason that you would need any kind of hormones, um, whether it's for transitioning or. Like my that's, mum, yeah. lagging them so she could put off the menopause by
0: 20 years. <laughs> Storing up all that menopausal energy just so it can be released in a torrent at a time of her choosing. Well, that's literally what she's just going for. She's like going for it now. Oh, she, Lord. She, she, yeah, I, I do it. It's an actual way of undermining the pattern that Big Pharma has mm-hmm. used for decades now yeah. of taking uh, generic drugs, um, copywriting a certain version of them under a yeah. certain name, and then using that um their kind of their heft and their their kind of sway with in America it's individual doctors but in uh in England and Wales it's the fucking opening up of the internal market within the NHS mm-hmm. um in order to pinpoint specific uh, buying departments in primary care trusts in order to shift their particular version mm-hmm. and it's not just you need more money to buy more of their stuff yeah. It's you need to take it out of their hands. It's not just a money issue, it's a power issue, it's Mm -hmm. a process issue. Mm -hmm. It's gorgeous. I fucking love it.
1: How liberals looking at Brexit and like the idea of drug shortages and their first assumption isn't these drugs should never, there should never be shortages of these because we should always, you know, there should just be them making them Mm. is beyond me rather than the. Well, no, we need to, you know, obviously have to buy them from whichever company is based. In because the
0: whatever happens, it's so internalized to them. Mm-hmm. The profit motive is mm-hmm. the underlying. Everything else can go. Mm-hmm. Every other facet of providing any service in this society could go, as long as the profit motive stays. It is the unstated underlying assumption of every single human activity in existence in mm-hmm. reality right now, mm-hmm. and. Even starting to move the needle on that is fucking awesome. That's really cool. It is, yeah. Free personal care for the elderly in England. Uh, again, just, it's just short. For the
1: elderly though, that's. A, I did see that, that it was for the elderly. It's not for everybody. No, no, you're because right. Because it should be because. Um, so you see it. Oh, um... I
0: haven't had a look, chance to look at it, but there was something passed on mental health care. It was something. It was the care philly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's nothing I I haven't. There's looked one thing into it, one so. thing I would say about the healthcare stuff. There's not enough being said about disabilities. Um we're okay. coming out, we're coming at with what how many years we've had how many years of austerity have we had now? I mean nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the people who've bore well, the brunt of that have been the disabled. Yeah. And that like all of the stuff is good, and I don't understand why they couldn't have just had that as well.
0: Yeah, there was a. I, yeah, you're right. I didn't actually see anything on specific disability yeah. um, provision and 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 welfare and services. Maybe and it'll like come that. back, but there's a part I, of me that, know, that they mean, just may- forgot. Maybe, yeah,
1: because that's the horrible thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's grim. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, social care—they've uh, pledged to halve the use of food banks, uh, in the first year within their first year in government, end the need for food banks within three years. Again, more specifically and more more widely, both actually um, they will put in a fair food act to end hunger in the u k uh, creating a national food commission to monitor food insecurity as well as launch an access to food fund to help the fifty most food deprived areas in the country um, that would enshrine a right to food
2: mm.
0: in law, which ultimately sounds kind of um, uh, non specific. Mm-hmm of like if it were to operate under the current um like method of of gaining access to to welfare and government action on things it would mean that you wouldn't i would assume it would take some role in discussions around uh like debt personal mm. household debt mm. so at the moment uh, personal debt you i think you have to put like um uh, you have to rank your debts yeah and they can set a certain amount that you pay back, but the, the two important things that you pay are uh, your rent and yeah. your council tax. Yeah, but they are the being, priority debts. Being, but I assume it would come into play in those kind of situations yeah. when you're applying for things like housing benefit and and things like that. But again, you know, it's a uh, it's, it's it's a good thing to to focus on that. Um, something that was just passed today, which was really really cool. Um, the Labour Campaign for Freedom of Movement mm-hmm. proposed a, a slate of uh, proposals for the manifesto and they were all accepted.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, Unanimously as well.
0: Yeah, this would... Uh, so, it was oppose the current Tory immigration legislation and any curbing of rights, campaign for free movement, equality and rights for migrants. Uh, that would include voting rights for non-EU citizens, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Uh, reject any immigration system based on income, migrants' utility to business and uh, caps or targets.
2: Amazing.
0: Which is, yeah, again... Don't try and justify this shit. It will never it never ever works. You're not right wing enough for the the right rightists mm-hmm. and you actively punish people like vulnerable people. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh closing all detention centres. Again, this is the kind it's of thing. A, it's, that a it's a really good
1: thing. And the thing is it's an excellent, this where, this excellent where, policy. This but is just me, like my distrust of the Labour mm-hmm. Party. I'll believe that one. When, when it I happens. It. Yeah. yeah.
0: You will not know it happens until it happens. But it's not um, supporting the principle that there shouldn't be any detention exactly. centres. It yeah. is these detention centres yeah. should be closed. Yeah. Right. Um, ensure the unconditional right to family reunion, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Uh, maintain and extend free movement rights. End no recourse to public funds policies. That's, That's stuff good. that bars migrants from like uh, legal claiming aid. legal aid. Yeah, claiming um, various benefits, mm. which is awesome. Scrap all hostile environment measures, use of landlords and public service providers as border guards and restrictions on migrants' NHS access. Um, Like, my mum, she never really tells me how she votes, but I'm pretty sure she votes Tory. Mm -hmm. Um, She's a nurse, and the one thing that I remember in the last few years is that they've started to ask her to report on people's... Immigration status, mm-hmm. and asked for papers, and she point blank refused to do it. Mm. Um, it's fucking unbelievable how that stuff has snuck around, snuck, snuck in.
1: To be fair, I know a bunch of right wing nurses who, while simultaneously agreeing to get rid of every single foreigner, would not do that because yeah. they will not do any more
0: paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. But it's the but kind it's of thing that- it has been around for a number of years, and yeah. you feel that it's the kind of thing that you would wait for a generation of like. Um, Public employees mm-hmm. to go away the ones that who are opposed to this, and you just get everybody like a new intake of, just saying, of this is
1: the way it's done
0: thing it's like this is what you do mm-hmm. and then it would it would kind of get in by attrition but yeah that's a an, again an excellent uh excellent policy to adopt mm-hmm. so the two main ones that i wanted the two main policies I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. mainly because they're the funniest mm-hmm. uh the reaction to them has been the funniest anyway. Um the first one is private schools. Labour are making moves to reduce the uh influence and privilege of private schools you mean within a, the education a Pol Potian sector. war. What I'm saying is they're looking at all the private schools where the head teachers wear glasses <laughs> and they are going to be sent to the country. Unless they're already in the country and then they are going to be sent to the inner city. <laughs> Um, yeah they're going to abolish uh, charitable status for private schools Um, they are going to um, redistribute their endowments investments and properties to the state sector Mm -hmm. and quite importantly limit the proportion of private school students um, admitted to universities in line with their Mm -hmm. um, proportion in the general population so around 7% of private
1: school students they're also getting rid of family 11 plus which is a different thing but they're getting rid of the 11 plus,
0: which is getting great. rid of the 11 plus and getting rid of Ofsted, yeah, as well, which is um, fucking excellent.
1: But the getting rid of the 11 plus is that just like grammar schools are no longer grammar schools? Yes, good,
0: yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, there's literally no need for anything other than a comprehensive education yeah. system. We that's said fucking good.
1: we said it before in here, like it genuinely. We we were you confused when you went to when you left Medway and people didn't have like five grammar schools within their... Yeah. Area because that, that I was genuinely shocked when that happened yeah. to me. when it's like, what do you mean you don't have grammar schools everywhere? Yeah, it's a weird thing that exists in pretty much just the south east.
0: I think. Well, no, I think it is just <coughs> there's Kent, and I think there's one area up north yeah. or in the Midlands yeah. that still had selection based on the mm. eleven plus, like formerly for for like the divide between grammar schools mm. and, and comprehensives. Um, yeah, there's it's. Fostering that universalist attitude, whereby you don't think that you're automatically better, and you can't buy your way into certain kinds of privilege mm-hmm. that then doesn't entrench itself further down the line. Mm. Like,
1: don't tell eleven-year-olds they're better than the other eleven-year-olds. <laughs> it's really simple. That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um. And the private school thing. There's little things. To be fair, there's an awful lot of private schools that will fucking crumble as soon as they take away the charitable, <laughs> <their> charitable status.
0: <laughs> there's, I just the response to it was just so amazing
1: look I was in the offices of The Times and I asked them for a show of hands of how many people went to private school and 90 percent of them put their hands up that means that 90 percent of people went to private school
0: it's amazing how many people from solid working-class backgrounds went to private school yeah that also have some kind of media pulpit it's um it's remarkable Schrodinger's hack <laughs> so many journalists in-
1: insisting that they got no privilege from going to <laughs> Merchant Taylor or whatever—it's <laughs> amazing. It's like basically, it seems like a lot of their parents were ripped off.
0: <laughs> it's a, the underlying thing among a lot of the responses as well is, um, excuse me, we should be bringing state schools oh. up to private standards. Can yeah. you imagine the standard of a private school person, a person who paid mm-hmm. to get better tutor tutoring mm-hmm. and tuition in the subjects that everyone else was doing? Can you imagine a person who? paying that not being in charge mm-hmm. can you imagine any human or, or, or cultural political intellectual achievement that was not done throughout human history by someone who paid £30,000 a year <laughs> to go to a different building to keep away from the bad kids <laughs> the, um,
1: the response of quoting a very British coup and saying the very British coup where it's like oh you're going to abolish first class carriages no, I'm gonna abolish second class. And yeah. James O'Brien was using that to defend private schools. they so like they shouldn't be abolishing first class education. They should be abolishing the second class education. And they should just be raising. Someone
0: it. has a very blinkered view of what private schools are for. Yeah. Um
1: Um but it's what'll happen with like the acceptance into universities because mm. they are not in line with um, like the top universities are not in line with how many of them actually you know, they're not at the seven percent thing yet. I think this year Do you might think be... private
0: schools maybe teach to get kids into university like over and above? Like they because they have a lot of money they kind of intend to teach it's,
1: it's even down to things like when you've when you've got a class that's that small, you can have a kid who's confident in how they talk. Yeah. And so they can do the interviews. they do not freaked out by sitting in a room with three lecturers looking at them for the first... That, you know, when, if that's the first time experiencing it, how on earth do you get through that without having a nervous breakdown?
0: Do you think maybe that, you know, the acculturation of it being expected to go to university as opposed to being in a school where, you, where maybe three people out of the class go to university it's not like that in maybe changes now. the... Uh... It's not like that in most schools now, though, to no. be fair.
1: But... Um, but- but, um, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. When the, the idea that you know you're going to this place. Yes,
0: we will train what, you to go yeah, to a place. And also
1: a lot of them have connections to specific colleges. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um
1: but so like I know Oxford and Cambridge now. They've got a lot more. I think it's like 30 or 40% state school. Really? Um okay. I know Lily's college. Oh, what, sorry, state school. Yeah, that they have uh, No, so, no. Yeah, something like that, 30 40% state. So you're school.
0: saying Sorry, I, I don't really pay attention to much to education because I don't have kids and it makes me think of school for some reason. <laughs> Looking at education makes me think of school, which I don't like. Um, are you serious?
1: Yeah, I think it's something like
0: that. It's yeah. like 70% private school people go Pretty to much. Oxbridge. Pretty much.
1: <laughs> I think it's... It might, I, might, I, might, I, might, I might be off, but it's not, it's not even close to the 7%. Mm. But it's been getting better over the years. Yeah. Um, Lily's College is 95% state school. I think that might be one of the workarounds they're doing. Is like they have Lily's College to then sort of offset Trinity. Oh, it offsets all kings. Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's all Um, the five richest, just the five richest kings of Europe. Yeah,
1: but what you've ended up happening because of that, Mm. um, you have things like Lily's Sixth Form College. Mm. A lot of her friends um, had just come from public school. Yeah, so they're in public school up to the sixteen, then they're pulled out of public school to go to the. What was, at that point, one of the top um, state-owned colleges in London. Mm. And they easily get in because they've been trained to get into these things. Mm. And then they're treated like they're a normal state school student. Ah, And they're on the numbers. yeah, yeah. And, like, um, that'll happen more. Yeah. Yeah. which is still good because they you know rob them of every single penny they could have, and I do think that it prob- like you know if if all those kids were integrated into everything into all the other schools, all the schools would get better yeah um oh, i it's, it's just grim, and I just want it I want it to happen quickly, <laughs> I don't want it to be a slow burn this yeah, stuff yeah, I don't want them to have the time to adjust, I want it to be oh by the way, this year in Eton, we're having thirty kids in from <laughs> the local
0: comp, yeah. It's. I mean, it's just some of the defenses. I've got. I've got a couple of the okay. hottest takes here. Um, uh, Jimmy Wales, the co-founder of Wikipedia, because mm-hmm. he's the first person I go to.
2: Yep.
0: Um, first, they came for the private schools.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: And yeah, that was what? Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, a, that's a fair. Fine.
1: That's a fair thing to say for the man who's always begging me
2: for money.
0: <laughs> um, Harry Cole was uh, pretty funny. Oh, um, God, Daftest bit of Labour private schools policy uh, is by taking away charitable status, you are allowing them to make a profit rather than forcing them by law to reinvest it back into education or community. Almost like they're making it up as they go along. Clickbait policy formation, right? The argument that private schools are profit-driven is by the by, mm-hmm. right? If they do make a profit, I'm sure they, they... Like, that's good. They're not there. The reason why they've been able to live with charitable status for so long... Is because they're not a profit-making institution. Mm. They're um, some institutions, maybe just by their history or, or by their design, are only dimly aware of the fact that they're factories for producing class, like reproducing class, class standards, yeah. class class inequalities. Um, Like you start up a private school and you've got this commitment to academic excellence or or higher standards. Like it's an instinctually hierarchy-driven, conservative drive. You know, like of course they're charities. It's a rhetorical trick that they use on themselves. Yeah. You know, Um, they see themselves as institutions for excellence, but it's predicated on the ability to pay.
2: Yeah.
0: Not the fact that
1: the paying. Not the paying is a ritual. is Is
0: a gatekeeping thing. Obviously, literally, mm. but also socially, and in the way that they they tell themselves that mm. like everybody's give if they can afford if people can afford to send their kids to private school they don't just think of it in terms of getting them the best education they think of them as keeping them away from mm. people who might otherwise lead them to behaviors that were not considered of their class. Yeah. To talk in really like Victorian fusty terms about it, mm. like there are certain codes of behavior and certain like. Standards that certain classes expect hmm. their kids to live up to, and that's that's where they get taught.
1: And they're paying to send them to Oxford or Cambridge.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Embury came in with the uh, the hot oh. socialist take. You see, uh. private schools, right, are fully left wing and socialist, and here's why.
1: As a hard bitten working class trade unionist, I'm sure he
0: he uh. was totally. Oh wait, no, he wasn't. In favour of this. This is sinister and authoritarian. In a free society, parents must be at liberty to educate their children privately. What? It is not for the big state to intervene and say, either you let us teach your kids or they don't get educated at all. No. What Paul Embry wants is for big state to get intervene and teach you how to be British. <laughs> yeah. That's where they need to teach you the history of the white working class. Mm. That's what they actually want. It, oh,
1: Paul such a piece of shit.
0: He's so, fully, he's you know gone is, fully, he's, you know he's, he's, he's just got proper you know
1: author, authoritarian and telling me how to be? You know, the fire brigade telling me where I can and can't start fires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate Embry.
0: He's just fully internalised Spike contrarian logic.
1: Worst left- he was on the list of worst leftists of the year.
0: Uh, um, oh, yeah, he was definitely on the list.
1: Um, I don't know if you won it.
0: He's gone hyper because now he doesn't he, have anything doesn't to do with to the, the, the union. List. He doesn't get to be on the list
1: anymore. He's suspended from the yeah, union. So he won't be on the list this
0: year. Also, he's figured out the... Um, the way to get into those particular journal circles and mm-hmm. milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, it's just right the exact opposite of what you imagine the left wing would say, while claiming to be more left wing than them. It's mm. really fucking easy. Yeah. Brendan O'Deal does it every week. Mm. Um, so, as far as responses to go, this was the top one. This got mm-hmm. a lot of attention. Okay. Charlotte C. Gill. Oh. She's definitely getting in our year-end awards, by the way, because she is on fire. Um,
1: Isn't she? Yes. Go on, then.
0: So, A series of tweets The good school doesn't have to be private Incidentally, state and grammars can be very good Mm -hmm. Good schools facilitate Genetic expression and bad schools Suppress it You could argue private schools are a waste of money Here's the crux of it If there are two children whose DNA predicts School achievement, if you put them in two different Environments, bad and good school They will both still do well but the good school will facilitate the genetic expression. If you scrapped private schools, it wouldn't make as much difference as the left thinks. That's because educational performance has high genetic component, meaning it can only be socially engineered so much. Private schools facilitate genetic potentials better than state. That's it. The private school thing is good in a way as it reveals the hard-left hard mindset. That is, oh look, some things are worse than other things, so let's make everything worse. She's
1: not completely wrong. <laughs> skull shapes are very important. <laughs> and that's why the late party are replacing the eleven plus with just a series of measurements of the skull. Bloodlettings <laughs> It's that's fucking gross. It's
0: fucking awesome. Everybody a load of people made the uh, made the thing as like She's been saying They're shit paying like that. they're paying the, to get them in. Yeah. How is it an indication of genetic expression? Yeah. And she doubled down on it. Uh, she's um
1: it's really it's actually scary. People like her say this kind of shit all the time to each the other. The way
0: it just so easily starts to talk yeah. about genetics.
1: But she, yeah, they, they, that means she talks about this all the time. Mm. She talks about it in this way with her friends all the time, and so she thought there was nothing wrong with the way, with her saying that. Like she wasn't just literally no. Just the, the, being the, a the
0: the awesome thing was she started out by saying, "Oh, um, scrapping private schools and making everything state schools makes everything worse because state schools." Mm. Very common, uh, like opinion among people who were responding to this. State schools are worse. Mm-hmm. State schools are terrible. Mm-hmm. Then you should never send your kids there. Um, she started with that and then said private schools facilitate gen- <laughs> genetic expression mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Like if you've got the good, they
1: flood them with gamma rays.
0: If you've got the good blood magic, yeah you will get into the school and then that will facilitate it. whereas if you have good genetic genetic potential and you go to a state school it won't uh, express it and she by the end because she insisted on genetics being mm-hmm. the determinant of like intelligence or whatever she had talked her, her way around and saying no actually paying to get into a good school actually stifles good genetics because it's not like having money is is not determined by genetics So she talked her way around Is like, no, yeah, actually, we should have a comprehensive, because if it comes to a toss-up between protecting class privilege and protecting genetic privilege, she will go for genetic. That's fine. It's so awesome. Where does she work? Uh, She is... Oh, she's freelance now, but she's a telegraph... uh, Again, hard-right telegraph. She does a lot of things about dating, which we'll probably cover, I'm sure, in some future episode. Yeah. The other big policy that really was really interesting was uh, John McDonnell announcing that Labour would be trying to move to a 32-hour working week, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um, He announced they would try and reduce the average working week to 32 hours without a loss uh, of earnings within a decade,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, eliminating. It was part of a package of measures including eliminating in work poverty within five years. Um, measures such as strengthening trade union rights, introducing a a living wage of £10 an hour, and ending the rollout of universal credit. And they will set up a working time commission with the power to recommend to government uh, increasing statutory leave entitlements as quickly as possible without increasing unemployment, which is all good.
2: Um,
0: There was an interesting YouGov poll, actually, that came out in March. They kind of retweeted it after uh, this announcement came out. A YouGov poll... That's sixty-three uh, percent of people support a thirty-two-hour working week. Roughly, that's roughly like obviously four-day four-day week. Yeah. Um, if you work eight hours a day, sixty-three um, percent support it, but that made, that number falls to seventeen percent if it harms the economy. Uh, the question, when you actually zoom in, was actually even. Um, do you support a 32-hour working week if it definitely means that the national economy would shrink and people would be worse off financially? <laughs> so, yeah, unsurprisingly, if Peter said, do you, you, you want s- to be poor?
1: Yeah. Do you support the four-day <laughs> week, even though I will punch your Oh,
0: <laughs> It's perfect. It's perfectly aligned to this, like, endless internal logic, and and the responses to this f- on on social media have been pretty predictable in that people have entirely internalized the rise and fall of gdp as somehow related to their lives specifically yeah i saw sort of like
1: i saw people say like i work like there is a lot of stuff about um, productivity levels it doesn't really go down mm. um, but there was like some guy do you know how? as a tweet i was sort of like do you know i work 37 and a half hours every week do you know how productive i am in do you know how many hours i'm productive all 37 and a half and it's like
0: bullshit 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 dwight
1: <laughs> yeah, there was a whole bunch of Dwights.
0: Those are amazing ones. Like, Guido, um, Guido Fawkes tweeted specifically about this policy, saying, McDonald's par- br- McDonald promises 32-hour working week for same pay. Magic. In jobs that have outputs that can be done more efficiently... Uh, in, this was in response to somebody yeah. saying, why couldn't it be done? They said, in jobs that have outputs that can be done more efficiently, yes. In jobs which are, say, customer-facing, the hours are the hours. Waiting staff can't do five lunchtimes in four days. Barbers can only do so many haircuts in a specific period of time. Why did he go to the waiting staff and, oh yeah, it's Paul Staines, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The two things I think of him are haircuts and fancy restaurants. The worlds he inhabits, theirs are the only working people he really comes into contact with, other than maybe drug dealers.
1: Uh Um, Well, no, he's the drug dealer.
0: He was, he was the allegedly a drug dealer back in the day. Was he
1: allegedly a drug dealer or was he actually He well,
0: was dealer? He was an acid libertarian, wasn't he? Yeah. He set up raves and things like that. He's never worked 30 hours in a week. <laughs> he hasn't worked 10 hours in a no, week. But I bet he thinks sitting in front of his computer for like 30 hours kind of Googling himself.
1: Yeah, I'd do that. Well, not Googling myself, but Googling him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Receiving text messages from MPs yeah. and looking at other news sites. Yeah. You it's know?
1: Just, yeah. Looking at
0: Twitter accounts of people to hassle. Yeah, Um, yeah. So, like, there were lots of kind of responses to this as like this will never work. I could never do it. But it was a thousands of people with small businesses going. I'll have to sack my workers. I work six Mm. days a week. A couple of highlights were someone just responding to a BBC News uh, post on it saying, "Sounds like a dictatorship." (laughs) Just that. Yeah. Just that.
1: Sounds like Maduro to me.
0: Because It just gets numbers, yeah. It just It. yes. Ah, yes. The Stalinist Labour Party with their traditional Stalinist policy of making people work less. <laughs> See,
1: what one of the things that's not really known about the Vietnam War is that the <laughs> Americans had to go in because Ho Chi Minh wouldn't let the Vietnamese work five days.
0: <laughs> that's literally an It's Always Sunny joke,
1: is it? <laughs>
0: I'm pretty sure it is, <laughs>
1: but. Yeah, it's they always do this. I like, saw lots of people say, like, if uh, uh, if it's the same kind of arguments that were being used to not go to the five day week, then they can fuck off. Yeah, because it's the same thing, and it's the like we were going to do an episode on it ages ago because it's a thing that you're quite into. But like when we had like in the the winter of discontent mm. and the three day week, yeah, um, that it wasn't actually that bad.
0: There was a I can't remember. It was. Um... Oh, shit. Oh, what the fuck is the book? It's the book on the 70s in Britain. Uh-huh. Um, Andy Medhurst? I mm-hmm. think that's right. I might be getting the author wrong. I cannot remember. Mm-hmm. I will probably put it up as a link to, at the end of this. Um, it was cause to the National Suicide Hotline went down. Uh, right. General surveys of happiness went up. Mm. Obviously, there wasn't access to, to certain services, and it was, an ex- it was a particular extreme time because it was enforced and overnight, and yeah. not having electricity wasn't all that great. But it wasn't like... There wasn't the widespread gnashing of teeth and wailing that you often get associated with a three-day week. Yeah. Um <laughs> one Twitter reply really exemplified kind of the 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 interesting telling on yourself mm-hmm. that a lot of these uh, a lot of these replies had. How would it apply to retail? Who always gets the rough end of the deal? What four days do we decide to open if everyone else has a weekend? Or do I have to employ some more people? Wait, what? <laughs> and still pay them the same so we can stay open seven days a week to meet demand and it's like yes you have to employ more people
2: Yeah,
0: um, it's like it, there are so many like small businesses. I'm going to go off a bit around here about small businesses right? okay. because our economy in many ways is based if not economically then culturally on the preferences of small business owners mm-hmm. they are seen as the heroes of our entire culture the heroes of our civilization shop owners every yeah well, they are one of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, every need must be met and their preferences rule over everything. Mm. As if the sole reason that, I don't know, they franchised their branch of Dixie Chicken or mm-hmm. opened like an online-only macrame shop
2: mm-hmm.
0: was to employ people.
2: Mm-hmm. They've
0: swallowed that kind of idea that they are yeah. heroic job careers. Um, and like the number of people saying like, especially business owners who say, I work so many hours a week. If I had to do a 32-hour week, that would mean I'd only be working two days. And it's like, if you're working 17 hours a day at something, um, may- maybe your economic activity isn't that efficient. Yeah. Maybe your business ain't that good. If you are plowing so many hours into everything that you're doing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: maybe that's a sign that your business ain't working that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the whole, like they're so accustomed to be treating, treat, be, bruh small business owners are so accustomed to being treated as like the, they're the working class for capital. Yeah. They're the working class for employers. Yeah. So they're their proletariat. They're the ones who get to force through all the kind of weird working practices and restrictions and, and labor discipline that eventually gets maybe used in larger enterprises. Um, and it just always kind of represses the reason of like, you're in this to make money mm-hmm. and, that's why you're in here you're not in here to employ people clearly because you're not employing enough people yeah. um and like if we're being really brutally basic and kind of holistic about it if your business is on such a shoestring that a 32 hour week means that the shifts that you need to cover need to be covered by extra people and you can't afford to employ them like is that really the best way of organising production Mm. as a a whole, like if we're talking like macroeconomically, is that like pretty sure some bloke 100 years ago wrote about the kind of organisation of production (laughs) and how inefficient it is (laughs) when you have 1,600 in a town, like 1,600 Small business owners each employing three people that are so hard up, yeah. their profit margins are so thin yeah. that they cannot afford to to employ any more people to provide the service that they provide to get the goods from one place to another to, to utilise the market, the front face of the market in that community. You're saying we should nationalise vape shops. I'm saying all vape shops them. should always be, always be nationalised. They're very important. Um, yeah, like... This thirty-two hour work week has been um, trial. I think it's been trialed in like Germany and and other places like that. Um, I know Sweden had a number of different um, uh, trials of it. I think particularly in Gothenburg they tried a a four day work week for for a while. Um, and like it's an interesting. People make arguments about like productivity and things like that. And there is some evidence that shorter work weeks enhance productivity. Britain, particularly at the moment, uh, but throughout history, has had a dismal productivity level, which is like work outputted in an average hour, is how they calculate it. Um, and like numerous governments and numerous kind of waves of generations have tried to solve this British productivity problem, and they always treat it as if it's this neutral problem, but it always comes down to the class dynamics of British society, and so it is always work longer hours. Yeah. Put in more hours to put out more stuff. Yeah. Now that doesn't necessarily address the amount of work people put in per hour.
2: No.
0: Um, like as if the more, you know, like the more output you're making is based on the amount of hours you're working and not like I don't know goofing off finishing Final Fantasy 8 or <laughs> Final Fantasy 14 the two the two other ways of spending your time when you're not working. Um, And yeah, like it is complicated, but yeah, the blame for this productivity always always falls upon workers as part of like larger labor discipline uh, uh, issues. Um, Germany and France both work on average uh, about 10 hours a week or less than us, and yet, yeah, rank higher in productivity. They do more work in that time. Mm. And so, like, it's probably time to start thinking about different measures because working all the hours, working like. 50 or 60 hour weeks is not fucking working because Mm. businesses are still operating on really low profit margins on really low. Like um, uh, they're going out of business Mm. quite a lot. It's 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 clearly something's not working. And like a lot of people in their responses kind of raised the issue of the NHS Mm. and state run enterprises and like saying, how are the NHS supposed to double up on staff? It's like, well, yeah, good. Yeah, and it's like yeah, they will need to. They will need to be a serious, serious attempt to actually induce people to train to work in the NHS. Oh, if you're going bursaries. to more bursaries, more training, uh, more insight, uh, inducements to train to be a nurse or yeah. be a doctor, um, and it's it is just like they were they were saying, "Wow, this will cost so much for the taxpayer," and it's like, well, yeah, but also like. Nurses are spending those wages, yeah. and in fact, interestingly, with my capitalist hat on, yeah. what's the uh, best day? What's the best days for retail, for instance? A really hard-up sector at the moment. Mm. What's the best days for retail? It's the weekend, mm-hmm. because everyone's off. If they get another day off, they're still they're going to be able to spend more money. Mm. Like I don't understand that it's it's demand management as much as it is. Like it's obviously first and foremost like a, a relief effort for, mm-hmm. for labour and for workers. But, like, it also does stimulate demand. People are going to do something with that extra day off. People are going to use the things in their communities.
1: A load of hacks you know? are going to be annoyed because they're all freelance anyway, so they're not going to be able to do this anyway. <laughs> also, they don't work this badly. Also, either. just the
0: implication that, like, any, hiring more people for the NHS is a waste because mm. it sucks up taxpayers' money. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know why you have, we all have this idea that, like, Pay, paying more people, paying worker paying for more workers. The money that they spend suddenly like goes into a black hole, goes yeah. into the null space, yeah. and it never gets released at all. But now, rich people, if you give them more money, all of that money trickles down into the economy like a glorious waterfall. <laughs> and you know, in a, in a larger sense, like maybe. Uh, having more people on the books, maybe having to hire more people to cover hours that you previously would have covered, maybe having a glut of surplus labour and not existing on the absolute bare minimum Mm. and expecting those people to do fucking everything. Maybe, just maybe, that might change capitalists' thought patterns about investment. Like, say, if you have to have more nurses... You have to train more nurses. That means they'll have to put more money into training nurses. And that's true of the private sector as well. If you've got a particular business that you need a trained person for, maybe, just maybe, you'll think about putting that money into furthering training and actually getting people reskilled, like people have been talking about since the fucking 80s and have never gone into. Um, But, I mean, like, yeah, maybe the proper question about a 32-hour work week is if it definitely wouldn't work in your field in particular – think about why it wouldn't yeah why you need this particular 40 hour week this particular i mean it's 48 is the mm. working time directive and you can op, opt out of that as i have in every single job i've ever done 48 it's 48 yeah mm. um is the is that's and that's the working time directive mm-hmm. which you then opt out yeah. of um yeah if it would be impossible to do to run the business you have or or, or work in the sector you have by hiring more people think about why that is Think about the way that your fucking particular way of producing your good or service is done. Mm. And maybe you'll get a decent idea about it. Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, there's some really, really nice, good things. I've probably missed out some manifesto items from stuff that's been announced. Uh, I I believe because of the recalling of Parliament, because the Supreme Court said that proroguing Parliament was not legal and didn't therefore happen. Um, Everybody's gone back. Uh, The end to the Tom Watson saga... To bring it back around from the beginning. Yeah, to
1: Project Anaconda, you mean.
0: <laughs> Project Anaconda. Fucking nerd. Oh, Project Anaconda. Project Black Widow. <laughs> Project Condor. Actually, that was Operation Condor. That was something <laughs> different. Um, but similar. <laughs> so, yeah, the the kind of end to the Tom Watson saga of this week was... Um, because. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> um... the end to the Tom Watson saga was sorry
1: I'm just really pleased that you called it Project Anaconda
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, is that his speech that was supposed to be um, Tuesday night was bumped in favour of Corbyn's and then he didn't make a speech.
1: Yeah, it got cancelled. So <laughs> he just goes back to doing it in front of the mirror. Suck it. <laughs> do it in front of the mirror. Like he's got a mirror which he does his angry speeches at. Yeah. And in the corner, he just has a picture of Helen Lewis.
0: Which I mean, it leads it leads us to believe, this like, because obviously he was gonna, there was gonna be some question of, okay, so what's he gonna go with? Is he going to be really angry at Corbin or do some kind of fake call for unity? Yeah. Um, We'll never know. We'll never know what Tom Watson will do, whether he'll do the same thing he's done 25 times before. It's gone now. His poor speech, like tears in rain. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's been... I haven't really seen a lot of um, outright opposition to the manifesto pledges because, mm-hmm. unlike the Tory party that can promise anything and fit any any particular thing into their manifesto because A, they know that they have the ideological flexibility that they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. They rely on a kind of an elite cadre or declining elite cadre of people to re-elect them in their safe seats every single time. Um, and B, that they know that they can fudge it perhaps, ideologically anyway, slightly more than Labour MPs who are at least on paper committed to the kind of things that Labour want to do yeah. in this manifesto. Um, the interesting thing is that it appears that the right for what it's worth has not been able to bring any pressure to bear as they did last year to change or or um, mollify any of these policies before they became um, before they got approved by the conference yeah. after the conference that's where the difficulty comes in mm-hmm. there's still a load of right wingers in the PLP who are going to shave the edges off this? I mean, there was already some reports from, um, like about private schools, about uh, various ministers saying, "Oh, they're not quite sure what they mean. It's not going to be a priority." Um, you know, there will be the standard Jess Phillips speech of, "I have spent the last thirty six hours babs. talking to my babs, talking to my constituents, babs. dealing with disability benefits." Babs. Uh, talking to school children Perhaps. about knives, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. people just trying to get along,
2: and I don't know what
0: any of this means. <laughs> That's her standard speech. I've worked out her pattern now, uh, her standard tweet. Yeah. I don't know what any of this means, snide factional comment.
1: She already did I I don't care, I'm voting for Remain anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, and there's lots of, you know, um, uh, Margaret Greenwood, the Shadow Work and Pension Secretary, when she was... Uh, asked about the universal credit um, thing, Hmm. assumed it was stopping the rollout rather than abolishing it it entirely. Um, There will be lots of these kinds of fudges and things like that, but I'm kind of positive that they've come out so strongly for freedom of movement, particularly, which was an area that the Labour right had a lot of influence over, Mm -hmm. um, had a lot of influence over the rhetoric. um, And Mainly putting this out there actually provides a choice in the context of what's happening with Brexit, with this. I think Richard Seymour's called it like apocalyptic nationalism. The Brexit side doesn't have any other option than absolute wrong mm-hmm. like apocalypse mm-hmm. for Brexit. That is their idea of a. It was it has been for a while, but their rhetoric has got an increasingly kind of catastrophic and yeah. and thing. You know they believe that Brexit is the apocalypse that will bring. The good times and the release of energy that's needed to reinvent Britain. Um, to counter that, you actually need to be different. Yeah, there is no hedging around this stuff now. There is no hedging around um, like actual matters of morality and not pointless matters of protocol and trade treaties. Um, it's the right foot to start off on, even if even if they don't like the British parliamentary system's fucking weird. The constituency system, the MP system, is fucking weird and stretched to its absolute limits. Mm-hmm. Um, At the moment. Maybe people will decide that Brexit is super important to them and that the Labour Party have betrayed it and whatever, but um, there's literally no other thing that the uh, that the Labour Party can do in this situation because people, are, 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 the people that are convinced of that are not going to be convinced any other way. No. Um, the best thing they can do is put something forward that actually helps people and actually starts to move... The conversation away, because the the good thing about them being kind of the f- official leader of the opposition and not being outside the party and not being, say, a, a pressure group outside the party, that's not to demean, you know, people outside the party, mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but the media actually has to look at these things. And I know that they'll ask the two BBC questions, which is, what do the other people in your party think of it and how are you going to afford it? Those and are the only people, two questions. When they're told how
1: it's going to be afforded, they'll just say magic money. They'll say sell.
0: it's not. But again, that's fine because they will have to defend this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, the Labour right is going to do what it can. It has a certain institutional number, but I think definitely with the Tom Watson affair and and coming out with this pretty radical manifesto, um, they're on the best footing possible to actually place the Labour right in the position of saying, what would you do? Yeah. If Corbyn wasn't there, if well, this manifesto wasn't there, what what have you got? What have you hmm. put, measure it up against each other? Rather than can just like, say
1: war with Iran. Yeah, that's us.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's us for this week. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at WDTATW underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo. Follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And we'll see you next week. Yes. Bye.
1: About the fighting game When Mr. Hoover said to cut my